The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Welcome to the Ask Harry Podcast. This is Harry Margolis, and this is the podcast where we interview experts on all aspects of estate planning. In this episode of Ask Harry, Harry talks with psychologist, retirement coach, and author, Dr. Dorian Mincer, on the concept of what retirement looks like today. Dorian, thank you for coming back today to talk about some more about retirement. In our last session, we talked about when to retire and uh, the factors that can influence that decision. And today we'll talk a bit more about what retirement looks like. And of course, as we, we mentioned in the, in the previous session, those are quite related topics since what retirement looks like may affect when you retire and vice versa. But before we get into that, as you know, we start each session by taking a question from the askcarry.info website and trying to answer that. And today I'm going to raise a question which is really kind of related to to your one of your roles as a retirement coach is, do you need a financial planner? And, and my answer is, is yes. Virtually everybody needs a financial planner. And I think, I think uh, there's sometimes some confusion on this because uh, people don't know what the difference is between estate planning and financial planning and often use those terms interchangeably. And, and if you look at some, especially some investment companies' website, they talk a lot about estate planning, even though from a lawyer's point of view, that's not what they do. So we think of estate planning as uh, really getting your documents in order, your will, your power of attorney, your health care proxy, planning for what would happen to you if you became uh, incapacitated or disabled, and planning for what will happen, how you will protect your family after you're gone. And financial planning is really more about the, the, your money investments and making sure you have enough for yourself and your family now and uh, in the future and upon retirement. I don't know if uh, that uh, distinction makes sense sense to you, Dory, or if uh, you have anything to add on that. I agree 100%. And I realize I did not say that when we last spoke. I definitely advocate, no matter how much or how little money you have, it's very important to talk to a financial advisor and particularly to try to find somebody who has what's called a holistic um, framework, which means that they're looking at the money, but they're really also interested in the, the sort of the, the non-money, softer side of, of retirement, which is how do you want your money to work for you? What, what, what lifestyle options do you want to have money for? Because that's going to impact how much money you have. And one of the really important issues, too, is, as Harry said, estate planning and thinking about end-of-life issues and wishes. And I advocate that it's very important for people to do that. And often people you know, want to put it off because they think, oh, I don't want to think about mortality. And it's, it's liberating. It's actually an act of love to let yourself focus on those things so that your survivors just don't have to worry in a time of crisis and know that, you know, things have been taken care of. So I strongly encourage that. 
I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think the other thing I'd say about financial planners is that they're not just investment people. So people might think of a financial planner as someone who's going to help you hopefully make more money on your money. But financial planners are can do so much more. They certainly help you make the right decisions on your investments, but they can also advise you on options with your retirement plans, on options when you have any any work-related benefits, what you should take, questions about life insurance and disability insurance and, uh, and how, to, how to title accounts. There's just so much that they can do and advise you on that's more than just the simple make more money from your investments or how much can you spend from your investments or how, I mean, those, that's all very important. And of course, what's another issue that's very important is how much should you set aside from your income if you can to make sure you'll have enough. So I would just add that financial planners do a lot more than just giving you investment advice. But let's uh, let's turn on to our, our question for discussion today is, what is retirement? Is it uh, mm-hmm. just you get to be 65, you uh, get your gold watch and uh, and a pension and uh, move to Florida and uh, play golf? Or is it something else? Well, that used to be the myth about, or maybe the reality of retirement in our parents' generation, perhaps more so. It's definitely different in the 21st century. And began changing also in the 20th century to the end of the 20th century. You know, retirement used to mean kind of retiring from life. And it was based on a notion that dovetailed, you know, the development of social security, the idea that, you know, we, our life expectancy was kind of late 60s, 70s. You know, you worked hard, the golden years as Harry, we were just saying about the gold watch and Florida and all, uh, pensions. I mean, things have changed. <laughs> and retirement used to be associated a lot with, with a lot of D words, you know, decline, detachment, uh, and ultimately death. People are often now saying we've got to retire the word retirement. And I, I do kind of agree with that. Retirement's no longer a destination in the way that I think it was in our parents' generation and prior years. It's, it's, if you think about it, it's more like a transition. It's more like a journey. And like all transitions, there's an end, there's an unknown, and there's a new beginning. And there's no right way anymore to retire. It's not retiring from life. It may be deciding you want to retire from the particular job that you were doing. You may want to still work, but in a different way. You may want to keep working the same way you were. You may want time for other pursuits. So I think it's it's helpful to think about it as just a new stage of life, you know, and to really focus on it's potentially a new beginning. We're living longer. The whole landscape of retirement's changed because we're in the midst of what's called a longevity revolution. You know, people are now living their 80s, 90s to 100. The over 85 is the fastest growing segment of the population now. So if you think about it, it's a long time to be retired if one retired at the more traditional age of 62 or 65. So which raises a couple questions. Of course, uh, getting back to financial planners, it's if you need to have enough money to support yourself for the next 20, 30 years, that's a financial question, which which may be harder to achieve than uh, if you only had to have enough money in the bank for five or 10 years. So. Absolutely. And that's, that is one of the, the issues that 
it's it's important to both think about and talk with your financial advisor about of you know how much money um, do you need and it, and it may be that you want to keep bringing in some money i mean one of the nice things in our our society right now is that there is social security it's it's good if you can wait until you're 70 to get social security because you get you know 8% more each year past your full retirement age which it depends on your age now, but it's either 66 or 67. So that, you know, that that is something you can count on. There aren't That's pensions. A big bonus. It's a big bonus, right? And then Medicare at when you're 65, although you still have premiums to pay for Medicare, but you know, you're not as reliant on employer insurance. But but it is important to think about how do you want to, you know, live the rest of your life. Part of what I find really helpful. For people to think about is, you know, if you think about it, work just like active parenting gives you a reason to get up in the morning. It gives you connection. It gives you engagement. It gives you purpose and meaning, self-esteem, camaraderie, community. And so, it, I, I I find that it's important to help people or for people to think about how am I going to build that into my life if I'm not working or if I'm working in a different way. This is part of that concept of it's not a destination, but a journey. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think it's important to think about what, what will get you out of bed in the morning? What, what's important to you? It may not can you, be. Can you, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Dory, can you, provide, can you provide some examples of some of your clients and what, what sorts of different forms their retirements have taken? Because I think, I think for a lot of people, unless they, it might be hard for them to visualize it in the abstract, but maybe some examples would be would be interesting. Sure. Um, well, for some, travel has been an important thing, you know, initially, which isn't existing right at the moment. But that doesn't mean you can't, mm -hmm. you know, plan for it. But I know a number of people who have decided to work in a different way, so that they're working maybe in the same field but less time and then have more time to do other things. I can give an example, not even of somebody that I've worked with who is working a couple of days a week as a physician and he now does uh, the cooking in his family and is really liking to do that and plays golf. So there's still the, the golf part. Has kept up and has a, a nice network of some men and women friends that he gets together with. And so for him, there's some structure to the day, you know, an interest like the cooking has turned more into now doing that. He's decided that he doesn't want to not work at all. So he's working a couple of days a week and, and really working on connection and engagement with, you know, friends and former colleagues. So that's one example. You, you, meant, you mentioned travel. Are people just uh, kind of traveling more to the usual places or are, they, are people like taking a year and going around the world or what, what, what are the different kinds of uh, travel that people are doing? I've seen a combination of that. And again, you know, travel right now is on hold. I, I'm thinking of this one situation, one um, person I worked with who ended up 
being really interested in wanting to, to do something to help the planet and help the world to give back and to use his skills. And so he began volunteering for an organization. There's an organization called Lots of Helping, what's it called? Helping Hands and Hearts. It used to just be Helping Hands. It was somebody who actually in his career, he worked in corporate and happened to, you know, when the, the tsunami happened in Thailand, he realized he had uh, computer skills and ended up starting this nonprofit. And it's been existing now for many, many years. And they, they go to different parts of the world where there's disasters, not necessarily to the big cities where often there's relief, but to more of the rural areas. And so his retirement basically was establishing what's called an encore career, where he used his skills and he set up this wonderful nonprofit, uh, which gets intergenerational you know, connections between people who are on the team and you know bring whatever their capacities are to work. And so, so this gentleman has made that his encore career. One of my clients, well, two of my clients actually, but one that I'm thinking of now, joined that organization and he ended up going to Nepal and you know, was doing some work in Nepal. So he combined a love of travel with also a giving back. So I think that's another example. Yeah, and spe speaking of, of, of travel and going other places, do you find that people are more or less combined, inclined to move to a new part of the country or a new part of the world these days? Again, I've been seeing some of that. I don't know. I mean, again, I, I think where there's a little bit of a hiatus right at the moment, but yes. Right. And what's, you know, it's, it's one of those important conversations to ha have about, you know, where do we want to live? And I do suggest to people, if you can, it's good to try things out because living somewhere and just being on vacation somewhere can feel very, very different, you know, once you're there. So if you can, you know, if you're able to take a longer stretch of time, a month or two, or three months somewhere to really see what it's like to be in a community, that's helpful. One situation that didn't work as well, I'll give you positives and negatives. A person I'm thinking of who ended up deciding that they wanted to move to Costa Rica. They had loved being there. You know, they, just the, the lifestyle there, cost of living. They had many wonderful vacations there and they ended up moving there, you know, selling their house, you know, here in the States. And, and they really, it was a combination of really feeling homesick, but homesick for things they hadn't expected that, that it, it, it didn't meet their needs, you know, as a full-time place to live. And they began to miss some of the comforts of, at home and just being in the States. And so they ended up coming back, but did re relocate to yet another state. Some people decide they want to relocate and be near a college town. And which is often a nice way, if you think about building in connection, engagement and purpose and meaning, you know, often you can, if you're in a college area, you can take courses, there's the intergenerational connections, you know, a lot of stimulation and culture. And it's good to try it out. But yeah, some people decide they do want to move, others, you know, and it can be complicated. Some might want to live closer to children or grandchildren. And if they're multiple children and grandchildren, it, it can become problematic to try to figure that out. And you just, you do need to be careful if you decide you want to live closer to 
children or grandchildren, that's an important conversation to have with the adult children. They may want right. you there. They may not want you there. Right. Uh, yeah. They may envision that, if you're there that you'll become the full-time, you know, babysitters, and that may not be what you would envision for yourself. So, you know, important conversations. <laughs> yeah. So, and those can be tough conversations. It's hard. Right. Hard. Maybe hard for people to be totally honest about what what works for them and what doesn't work for them. But definitely important conversations. I think another thing, I, I think you mentioned this, you certainly mentioned it in the context of the the person who created the nonprofit. Probably a lot of us were quite idealistic as, as young people about how we were going to fix the world. And then we got into the reality of uh, making a living and, uh, and raising children. And, uh, and I, I wonder how much people can, if they're more financially independent, uh, when they're at retirement or close to retirement, can take up their their younger ideals and and find a way to uh, to give back. I don't know if if that's a theme you find a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, two parts to that. One is the over fifty population is the fastest growing segment of um, um, entrepreneurs, people who <laughs> want to set up their own business. But yes, there's a there's a movement. It's called Encore.org. You can people mm-hmm. your listeners can check it out. That many people really, you know, that maybe part of their work wasn't their heart in the work. They were just, as you were saying, you know, being responsible, earning an income, raising their family. And an encore career is trying to help people use the skills they have, but in a more socially responsible way. And it might be developing a not-for-profit or working with one or volunteering with one. There's some wonderful stories if you go to that website. And I know people really talk more and more now about, you know, the importance of experience core, you know, or developing an elder core, you know, where people develop a new idea and a new identity in giving back. There's a, another organization that I love called Saging International. It's S-A-G-E hyphen I-N-G International. It's actually mm-hmm. join. And it, it, it helps people think of themselves as elders. And within that organization, there's an elders climate action group. There's a social justice group so that, you know, it, it's part of thinking about and developing an identity for yourself post-work. And the theme of wanting to give back and help the planet and, you know, leave the you know, take care of our children, grandchildren, future generations is a very big theme, not for everybody, but for a lot of people who want to contribute and give back. And, and maybe if they're fortunate enough to be able, if they're fortunate enough to be sufficiently financial, financially secure to retire, right. they can afford to do that now when they might not have been able to before. Exactly. Or even if they still have to work, if perhaps they're not working full time, then they might be able to get involved in some volunteer work. The hard reality, though, and I mentioned last time a a book that just came out um, that I really recommend. It's by Ken Dykewald and Bob Morrison called What Retirees Want, A Holistic Approach to the Third Age. One of the things he talks about is that a lot of people talk about uh, volunteering, but actually a very small segment of boomers do that. 
Hmm. Uh, so it is important to just think about, and it can be a, a nice way to prepare, you know, for this next stage of life to, you know, let yourself start thinking about volunteering while you're still working. If you can, you know, scrape out a little bit of time, it doesn't have to be major, major time, you know, expenditures, but, you know, to, to begin to, to realize that, you know, that that can both be helpful in a way of giving back, but it also gives you a lot. And it can, you know, just, you know, be kind of nurturing of the soul. That's, that sounds good. So before we close, I, I guess what other aids are there to help people begin to imagine this, this new stage in life, whatever we call it, whether we call it retirement or can come up with or an encore career or, or become, can come up with uh, some other name? Do you, how, how do you recommend that people begin this consideration? I think just opening yourself up to thinking about it. And, you know, I really do think it's helpful to think about retirement as a transition, not just as a destination. And to think about how have you dealt with other transitions in your life? Have you had more trouble with the ending, with the unknown, with the new beginning, any of it, all of it, none of it? It may help you know where you might get a little stuck as you begin to think about the next stage of life. There's a, you know, I, I mentioned last time, and I'll just mention again, if you go to my website, uh, www.revolutionizeretirement.com, and if you sign up there, you will get a list of resources for finances and for time together, time alone, you know, volunteering, social life, where to live. Um, there are many, many resources around that I think are helpful for you. I also, on the fourth Tuesday of each month, have a free webinar, you know, where you sign up and you get a recording link. So even if you can't be there the Tuesday at noon, it's the fourth Tuesday of each month at noon, you can hear the recording and begin to hear what some of the experts are saying about this next stage of life. And it may just open you a little to, to beginning to, to think about what some of your options are. There's some really good books out there. I also recommend if if you want to start thinking about it and feel a little stuck, retirement coaches can be helpful. The book that I co-authored, I think, could be helpful, The Couple's Retirement Puzzle for both individuals and couples. There's just a lot of resources out there to help you think about this next stage of life in a in a positive way. People just need to, I think, uh, start taking some time by themselves or with their partners if they have one and begin that process. Absolutely. And one, one last thought on that is there is a lot of ageism in our society and it's easy to internalize it, to, to think, oh my gosh, it's all downhill. There's a whole paradigm shift about aging and it isn't downhill. And it, you know, if you have that attitude, it perhaps will be downhill. But I, I do encourage people to think about it, this new stage of life and this, you know, that, that, that you can, there's a lot that you can contribute. There's a lot that you can learn and that it's an exciting time if you let allow it for yourself. Well, I hope we all make it there and uh, can enjoy it. Thank you very much, Dory. I think this will be very helpful to our listeners. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. 
You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes. If you're interested in Harry's book, Get Your Ducks in a Row, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Estate Planning, please visit margolis.com. That's M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S.com. Ask Harry is a production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network.